This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Good afternoon, and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. On today's show, former Kentucky Wildcat Roger Harden joined the show. Roger, thanks for coming on. Hey, it's my, it's my honor. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. Let's start out with your high school career and decision to play for the Cats. You were a high school McDonald's All-American, so you had plenty of choices in schools. What made you want to play for the Cats over other schools that may have recruited you? Well, <clears throat> obviously, I, I grew up in Indiana, and uh, uh, Indiana, Indiana uh, obviously, we were no choice for high school basketball, but when it came to college, uh, everybody who had the opportunity uh, to play for the University of Kentucky, I just don't think it was an opportunity that you could t- turn down. I wanted to win a national championship. Uh, I wanted to play for Coach Hall, but really what set uh, the decision to go to Kentucky apart from any of the other schools was that absolute passion and, and the uh, depth and width of the support that that our that, that the the University of Kentucky basketball program got from the state. And every kid growing up who's dedicated to the game, who spends time playing by themselves, developing themselves, they like to go where they get recognized. They like to go where the game is just as important to the fans as it is to you as a ball player. And nowhere does that exist. Uh, at that time when I was coming out the University of Kentucky. So those were the reasons. You, you never really, nobody thought about, I think the thinking about getting to the NBA back when I played was, hey, if you're good enough, if you can win a national championship and get deep, that helps your chances to get to the NBA. But I don't think anybody, I think in the back of their mind, was thinking about getting to the league, dreamed about getting to the league, but if you could just play at the University of Kentucky, that in and of itself would be like like a dream come true. And if your career stopped there, you wouldn't feel cheated because you got to experience the wide vast of support that not even NBA teams are afforded. And I saw on Twitter the other day, speaking of the love from the fans, you tweeted about how Pat Riley talked to you at the – uh, Lakers training camp and said something about how Kentucky fans love love you probably more than any of these other players. What, what was that all about? Well, obviously, you know, Pat Riley uh, played at the University of Kentucky, so he understood the depth of the support. And obviously, at one time, he was a Laker. He played on some great Laker teams. Uh, I, I, I think he played with Wilt when they won. I don't yeah. know. That I, I, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, but uh, so he got to experience both worlds, and he had won a world championship with Magic and Kareem at that time. So obviously he just made the statement. And of course, at the NBA level, the player-coach relationship is more cordial. Pat Riley had a great relationship with everybody. We had guys from. North Carolina on the team. We had actually Billy Thompson, who was from Louisville, uh, was on the team. And it was a jab a little bit at those guys. But actually, I should have went ahead and said, after 
you know, I introduced myself. He he just said to everybody, I'm telling you, in the state of Kentucky, uh, the players are are more famous than any of the NBA players. Yeah. And he was right about that. And uh, actually, Billy Thompson was there. And Billy Thompson said, yeah, you're right, Coach. <laughs> they are. Because he knew it right, at the University of Louisville. So I, I just thought I'd share that. And actually, the reaction that I got to has blown me away. I mean, since I've been on Twitter and shown a few, just told a few stories from yesteryear, I just kind of share some now and then. The reaction that I got on that tweet, to me, just absolutely uh, shocked me that, that, that they were, that our fans reacted to the story that that way that they did. But I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad I told it. I'm glad they got to enjoy it. Yeah, I, th- I saw that last night, and I was, thought that was really interesting. Uh, and when you're talking about in your high school, you played for Valparaiso High School in Indiana. Uh, being from Indiana, I did. why didn't you want to play for Bobby Knight and the Hoosiers? Was there any interest there? Uh, yes, yes. Well, actually, my dad played basketball at the Indiana University, 60-64, and uh, a lot of people thought that I would – go to Indiana, Coach Knight recruited me as a sophomore and a junior, but so many players during that era that played high school basketball in Indiana did not want to play for Bobby Knight. Um, I think his style of play, the way he treated his basketball players, uh, <clears throat> he did not always, he, he, despite the great success he had on the floor during his tenure, uh, he, Bobby Knight could not just walk into any high school basketball player in Indiana's hometown and uh, throw a scholarship on his head when they were going to take it. So many great players left that state during his era to go play elsewhere. And Coach Hall at that time had great success in coming into Indiana and recruiting just about anybody that the University of Kentucky really wanted to have. You talked about players in state wanting to leave. When you said that, I immediately thought of Larry Bird. He uh, immediately he uh, initially signed with the Hoosiers, then he transferred and went to Indiana State, and then took him mm-hmm. to the national championship against Magic Johnson. Uh, and So let's talk about uh, your sophomore season. In your freshman year, you didn't play a whole lot, uh, but then mm-hmm. you uh, became the starting point guard of that year. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that uh, transition for you. Well, first of all, when you came in as a freshman, despite the fact that you were a high school All-American or you were a Mr. Basketball, which, can I be honest with you, <clears throat> all of us were. Very few were not. And But when you got there, uh, I, I ran into a guy named Dirk Minnerfield, who was one of the greatest athletes that I've played against. He, when he came out as a, as a high school um he was McDonald's All-American. I think he was ranked right below Isaiah Thomas when he came out uh, as the number two point guard in the country. Well, he was a senior. That would have been, you know, when we came in, it had been like De'Aaron Fox staying four years, and I'm a freshman walking into that. Uh, you run into a buzzsaw as a, as, a, as a basketball player. You just didn't walk in to any uh, blue blood basketball program and take over. Very few had that type of ability. Uh, because you were playing against seasoned guys who were who were high school All-Americans. And then put Dickie Bill in that conversation. 
who was maybe one of the quickest ball players to ever play at the University of Kentucky, and you spent most of your early career adjusting to that. And my son going into our sophomore year, uh, obviously I didn't get the court time to develop as a freshman, and Dickey uh, had a knee injury. I probably wasn't ready right away for such a, a perennial team with Bowie, Walker, and Turpin. But I had no choice, so uh, I, I, I kind of developed in front of the fans that year. Luckily, Dickey came back after, I think, 19 games and took over as the starting point guard and led us uh, to the Final Four. Uh, <clears throat> so that was a great character-building year for me, and there was I had some good games. I had a good game against Houston and Tennessee and some of those things. But my career really didn't get going, and I didn't get comfortable out there with with my role until probably, uh, I'll say, early in my junior year. Um, so um, that's kind of when things started to click for me, and I was comfortable, was able to do some things uh, that I knew I was capable of doing, which frankly was not unusual back in those era for guys to develop, you know, in their junior and senior year and really come into their own. At Kentucky, you played with some great players, Melvin Turpin, Sam Bowie, Kenny Walker, Winston Bennett, and like you mentioned earlier, Dirk Minifield. Uh, Dirk was the only one who played your position, but did, did do you learn a lot from them? Because I know you were a, uh, a freshman with Dirk Minifield. Did you learn a lot? Did that prepare you for your sophomore season? Yeah, yes, it did. You know, summer games at the University of Kentucky were notorious because all the former guys came back uh, – you know, you had Kyle Macy, and of course, Kyle was an Indiana kid, and uh, got to play against him and Minifield, and a lot of great guards that would come back and play. But yeah, uh, a big part of playing at Kentucky at that time was adjusting to to Coach Hall. Coach Hall was a stern disciplinarian. Uh, that was before the three point shot and the shot clock. The game back then was played through the middle. Uh, so, you know, you weren't going to, you know, we did push the ball up the floor and we would look for fast breaks, but generally the ball had to go inside before you could put it up. Now, several of us guards, guards tried to buck that system, <laughs> but you would get put on the bench real quick. Okay, so, uh, uh, you know, we would struggle a little bit whether or not we're supposed to shoot, can we shoot. But, uh, uh, but obviously with the inside firepower that we had uh, back in that era, it was about taking the high percentage shot. And the high percentage shot was the closer the shot was to the basket, the better the shot is. So uh, it, wasn't a, it was a great era to be a Kentucky basketball player. But a lot of us old dogs sit around and talk about what that we feel like that the game has switched to a perimeter-oriented game. So we're, we're sorry that we didn't get to play in this era, but certainly nobody uh, feels cheated that you got to play at the University of Kentucky. I can tell you that. Yeah, And you got to play for Coach Eddie Sutton, too, didn't you? I did. I played for, for Coach's first year. And we had a great year that year. We went 17 and 1 in the conference. We went 32 and 4. Uh, we get upset to go to the Final Four by an LSU team who we had had to play three times that year. And we had to play for the fourth time. Actually, we had to play Alabama first game 
of the regionals in the tournament, and we had beaten them three times. We were fortunate to beat them the fourth time. And uh, after that loss, the uh, NCAA made a commitment <clears throat> that, <clears throat> you know, they were going to really uh, uh, change the people from um, uh, having to play four times in a year if they could help us in the second, in the bracket. So uh, <clears throat> that was uh, a, a very disappointing loss. I get a lot of people on Twitter that that tell me how disappointing that loss was. We really came out of nowhere that year. We weren't expected to win, and coach that really gave Coach Sutton a big lift to, to start his uh, career there at the University of Kentucky. So many of our fans remember that. So you did play for both Joe B. Hall and Eddie Sutton. What was a big difference in their styles? Like, you know, Joby Hall is like, uh, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there there was similar, a lot of similar things. I think the biggest thing was is that I think uh, probably the relationships that Coach had with the players, Coach Sutton had the players, the nature of the relationship that you had with Coach Hall as opposed to Coach Sutton was very stark. Coach Hall was uh, involved in your life. He knew what was going on with you. But as far as the interpersonal relationships that he had, they weren't as deep as Eddie's. Uh, Coach Sutton spent more time, you spent more time being called into Coach Sutton's office to talk about a lot of things, really. And that was something that Coach Hall, Coach Hall did not do a lot of. And I think uh, <clears throat> the era that, that Coach Hall played in, if he would have done that, we probably he probably would have got a little bit more out of us. We just never knew, uh, never quite felt comfortable in our personal relationships with Coach Hall. Or I'll speak for myself, I didn't. And I think when you play for a coach that you feel like you know, I think you're going to get a lot more out of a ball player. But both legends and both highly successful in their approach to the game. And after you played for the Cats, you were a assistant for Coach Eddie Sutton. Uh, what did, how was that experience for you? Because I, I know you've coached a few teams. You coached Williamstown High School, uh, and you've done clinics mm-hmm. around the state. What was that experience like getting your first coaching gig? Well, it was great. I mean, uh, actually, uh, <clears throat> I had a uh, – I think I was with the Lakers for about five weeks. I didn't really – Actually, I was just thrilled that I even got drafted and got to go out there and, and play with them for uh, the shorter period of time that I did to be around those guys. But the coaching was Coach Sutton. I thought he had a great basketball mind uh, uh, to, to be in a staff meeting. Uh, he let his assistants voice their opinion. Uh, we knew what kind of style he wanted to play, but he also was open to letting us do things on the court. Uh, I learned a lot about how how important to manage your relationship with your players were to be in touch with them. Uh, <clears throat> understood. Learned, uh, I learned to understand that you got to have conviction about how you win and how you want to win. Uh, Coach Sutton had you know philosophies that he didn't deviate. He would change his offenses. He never changed his defense. He, was, he had a brilliant a defensive basketball mind. And his man-to-man principles stuck with me everywhere that I went. Uh, he taught me how to coach the man-to-man. 
So I, I, there's not enough time for me to tell you everything that I learned, not only from Coach Sutton, but also from Coach Hall. But, but that was a great experience. And at that time, uh, I, 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 was a, I, was a, I was a single parent. And when he went to Oklahoma State, I had the opportunity to go with him. Uh, and uh, my son was living in Frankfurt, but I knew if I took that assistant job at Oklahoma State, I probably wouldn't, I'd be a part-time dad, so I made a life decision that I probably had to forego coaching, at least at the college level, uh, because I wanted to uh, put my fatherhood first, uh, which is a decision I'll never regret. But a side story to that is, is uh, he called me, I went out there, uh, he felt comfortable with me, we had a great relationship together, but I decided not to take the job, but he hired a guy named Bill Self after I turned that job down. So that was just a little caveat to the story. So, um, yeah. And you talked about playing with the Lakers for a few weeks. Uh, I'd say getting drafted was an amazing amazing experience. Can you tell – I personally, I love the Lakers. I watch all their games. They actually lost last night to the Knicks, and I'm heartbroken. Uh, what What was your experience like with the Lakers? Well, I mean, listen, growing up an Indiana kid, I grew up a huge Larry Bird, uh, and then you can translate that into Boston Celtics fan. Mm-hmm. And obviously, those people who got to watch uh, the Laker-Boston uh, Celtics uh, rivalry in the 80s were epic and really, I think, launched the NBA into the great enterprise that it is today. Uh, to, to get drafted by the Lakers was was <laughs> was funny because I was such a huge Celtic and Larry Bird fan. But the minute that they drafted me, I've been purple and gold ever since. I mean, what what a compliment! Even though I was a late draft, excuse me, late round draft choice, the fact that they saw me and wanted me to come out there, and I had great trepidation when I went out there. You know, I'd watched Kareem and. He always seemed moody, uh, playing, uh, going in and playing against, uh, uh, you know, uh, watching magic and stuff. I was a little intimidated and Coach Riley and everything. Uh, but when I got out there, I can't tell you how classy those guys were and how well they treated us. To be in the same locker room with Magic Johnson and to see his leadership skills and to see how he led a team of superstars like that was amazing. He would come into the locker room, and I don't care if you were a rookie, a ball boy, or what, but before he would go and sit down and start getting dressed for the game or doing everything, by the time he got to that point, he had spoken to everybody in the room. He had made a connection with everybody in the room, and everybody in the room felt like they were Magic Johnson's best friend. And... uh, Pat Riley was very humble. He was very respectful. But, boy, was he a competitor. He was focused. Just to see that whole thing uh, in action. And the year that I went was the first year of their back-to-back championship. Uh, They had had gotten upset by Houston the year before on a last-second shot. So that was amazing. Yeah, that I, that's that was really interesting. We were talking about that on Twitter the other night. Uh, you told me you sent me your Laker jersey. I thought that was the neatest thing because I, I I'm a diehard Laker fan. I could I've watched probably every game the last three or four seasons, and 
even though they've been yeah. really bad, I, I still love the Lakers, and hopefully we'd see a – it probably won't happen this year, but maybe next year, Lakers and Celtics in the finals again. Yeah, well, I'd love to see it. And really, I I I was so disappointed that uh, Magic didn't take De'Aaron because, you know, De'Aaron and Anthony Epps are probably my two favorite point guards that I've watched since I've been gone. And uh, I, I think maybe he regrets it. But who knows? I mean, uh, I have such high regard for Magic. I don't really say a whole lot about that, but I was – as a Kentucky fan, really hoping that he'd be a – and a Laker fan as well, that he would end up in L.A. But, um, yeah, the Lakers – and really their organization was was just first class. Uh, you know, obviously at that time Jerry Buff was very active. I got to meet him and got to meet some of those uh, Hollywood stars there. So uh, that, that was a great way to end a career. Well, I'm a really big Lonzo Ball fan, and uh... – I've always had to defend Lonzo against De'Aaron Fox, but De'Aaron Fox having a really good year with the Kings, and uh, it looks like he's probably going to be a star. But I, I, I really like Lonzo. I kind of plays like you as a pass-first point guard, and I love how he gets uh, gets after on the def- defensive end. I uh, just really, I just really love watching Lonzo play. I think he plays the right way, but De'Aaron Fox is a guy. I gr- yes, I, I think Lonzo. Uh, is going to continue to develop. And I think, uh, obviously, uh, some of the off-court distractions he's had with his dad, I think going into the league uh, and some of the comments that his dad made, knowing how the league works on the inside and how guys think. I think a lot of guys went out of their way at their rookie year to to shut him down. And I think he – in the long run, because he's had to go through some of those adversities uh, and some of the off-court things that go, you know, that, you know, there's, you either really like Lonzo or you really don't like Lonzo. And regrettably, those that don't like him haven't taken time to get to know him as a player and as a person. They're looking at him through the prison of his dad talking about LeBron and disrespecting MJ and some of those things. So, uh, hopefully, <clears throat> as his career continues, uh, I think uh, he's going to be uh, an NBA uh, all-star before it's all over with. And I think he'll come into his own, and people will really appreciate him because he is a, he is a special basketball player, in my opinion. Like you said, uh, I don't think many people like actually dislike Lonzo, the person or the player. They dislike his dad and what he's done. It's ruined his image, but yeah. nobody really has a, yeah. a problem with Lonzo. Um, and one more, no. thing, one more thing on the Lakers. Uh, you said something about Magic Johnson coming to your camps. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I developed a good relationship with him, and um, uh, he came actually two summers in a row, and that just talks, you know. Uh, speaks to the type of person that he is. Yeah. You know, I was a rookie, and but he had great respect for Kentucky. And obviously, he can bring Magic Johnson into a basketball camp and advertise it. Uh, he paid my rent for for two or three years by just giving me one appearance. Believe me. <laughs> but he came in, and when he comes in to do an appearance, uh, he would uh, come all day. He would sign every autograph. He would take pictures with the kids. He would hug the kids. 
he sold the whole gym. I mean, I opened it up uh, wherever I was for fans to come in and just listen to him speak. And let me tell you, he was he was he was just a great ambassador for the game of basketball. Uh, and everybody just loved Magic Johnson. I mean, he was a he was a genius with the basketball, six nine playing point guard, and he was colorful to watch. And he was a winner, but his personality and his charisma and his love for people, I think, is what is what really drew people to him. You just felt comfortable around him, and he loved to make other people feel good about themselves. When you got done interacting with Magic Johnson, you felt a little bit better about the world, and that was a great uh, uh, that was a great thing to witness, and something that I tried to do ever since. Uh, uh, I've, I've, I've known Magic Johnson. You became a better person by playing with Magic Johnson. I went to Vegas a few years ago for uh, Lonzo's first game uh, in the pre, uh, Summer League, and Magic Johnson was there. And right when he walked in, the arena, like, lit up. Everyone was, like, excited seeing Magic Johnson walk in. And, like, I watched their press conferences, and it just, like, you just like you get a smile just listen to Magic Johnson talk, and I think, uh, like you said, Magic is just a great person. I, I love listening to him speak, and um, always has a great time, and always enjoys life. Yeah. Okay. I couldn't agree with you more. And going into today's game, Kentucky's facing off against Alabama. Um, Kentucky's stand currently at ten and two, coming off wins against Utah, North Carolina, and Louisville. Uh, and I only have really one bad loss against Seton Hall in overtime, but that's uh, but Seton Hall's not a bad team. Uh, what do you think about this game today? Well, I mean, I think it's important that we keep things going. Yeah. I mean, um, I, th- I think our fan base uh, wants to trust in this team. I think our fan base wants to believe in this team. I think – you know, obviously, uh, the Duke loss was a was a big setback not only to I think the team's confidence and Coach Cal's confidence, uh, but I think it was to our to our fan base as well. So you know, <clears throat> it's incumbent on the coach and the team to get the confidence of the fan base. You know, we just can't. Uh, obviously, everybody's a Kentucky fan, and they but we they want to be formed. It's one thing to be for your team, but it's another thing to believe in your team. And I think the way that they've come together, the fan base is starting to believe in them. And uh, so I'm hoping for that. More importantly, I'm hoping if we do win in the post-game press conference, I hope Coach Cal's a little bit friendlier to our fans. I thought I was a little disappointed in Coach Cal. I'm a uh, I always support the coach, and I never speak out against a coach or a team or anything like that, particularly being a former player. But I felt like after a big Louisville win, that probably wasn't the time to take on any of his critics. So I was a little disappointed in that. Uh, but it's uh, important, uh, particularly at Kentucky, if you want that wave of support that you get from your fans, uh, you got to earn that from them. And this team still has some work to do before the masses of Kentucky basketball fans get back in and go with them. So uh, you got you got to get it going. So it's not on the fans. They just can't show up and, and sit around and you don't take care of business. I thought our preseason schedule was extremely weak. 
Uh, it wasn't much for the fans to watch, other than maybe the Duke and the Seton Hall game. Things have picked up the last two games, so I'm excited about that. But it's important to win on the road in the SEC. And obviously, Alabama's a game we should win. And I think it's a game we have to win. And hopefully, we'll continue to build on the two performances that we've had, not only against Louisville, but you know, also against Carolina. We want to believe that's really who this team is. And I think more and more fans are excited to watch the team now. Yeah, I totally agree on that. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to what they got against Alabama. Alabama has a great coach, Avery Johnson, who's coaching the NBA. Um, they played with the Spurs, a really solid point guard for them. Uh, and it's really important for the Cats to get their first SEC uh, conference win today against Alabama. It just you gotta you gotta get some more confidence. They got rolled off some good wins, and you keep it going. Um, keep it going until tournament time, get through the conference schedule, and it'll be a good season. But I don't think that uh, in the se- before the season started, uh, there's a lot of um, high hopes for this team, saying they could be as good as the uh, 2015 team that went 39-1, and I think. Um, no, don't, 38-1. and one. Um, But I just don't think that's realistic right now. Uh, that, that was a lot of pressure put on them. Um, they're starting to really come in their own, though. Reed Travis has been playing great the last few games. Ashton Hayes mm-hmm. has been amazing defensively. I, I'm mm-hmm. really impressed by him. Uh, and also Patrick mm-hmm. Washington. Um, what do you think about the rest yeah, of the I, going forward, though? Well, I, I, I think the strength of this team, I mean, gosh, I mean, I think we got great – I mean, our players, first of all – uh, Coach Cows recruited some great guys. I mean, I listen to their interviews, which is what I watch a lot. They're great guys. But uh, I think this this team, the, the, if they come together and their why, Coach Cow talked about the why, if their why is to represent the University of Kentucky in the greatest tradition in basketball and play for the pride of Kentucky basketball to win a national championship, our fans respond to that. And the ability, we got nine players. I think the strength of this team is going to be its depth. That's what's going to take you deep into the tournament play. Uh, and I think all of those guys can come in. I think they're all committed to playing defense now. I think they're all getting comfortable in their roles. I think it's just the beginning. So I think we are, we're going to really see some, some wonderful things. But when the perception, particularly in the one-and-done era, of our fans is they're just there to play well, to get drafted high, our fans don't get involved. And if, if Coach Cal, you know, he talks a lot about, how, you know, this is a player-driven uh, program, et cetera, et cetera. Kentucky fans want to see a team that's showing up to represent the University of Kentucky the greatest tradition in all of sports, stop talking past that and recognize that and convince our fans that that's why they're there. If they leave after a year, that's great. But I don't think our fans want to see or perceive that they're there to use the University of Kentucky for their personal stepping stone to go to the NBA. And they've got to do a better job and Coach Calipari, it's incumbent upon him to convince our fans and, 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 to, and make that the why for those guys when they come there. And that will bring out the great performances that they have. 
and they'll be blessed with an NBA scholarship if they do that. So I'm more worried actually about the overall state of Kentucky basketball because I don't think the perception of our fans is that that's what's been going on. And if that doesn't come back, you'll continue to see lackluster attendance at Rupp Arena. You'll continue to see the fan base not as enthused about it, which will be a travesty because this team is really, really good. But I'm believing in them. I think they want to do it. I think they want to do it for the university. I think they want to do it for our fans. And I think that the program needs this type of year to get a lot of our fan base re-energized because right now they've not been. So I'm going to talk out. I don't worry about this team at all. I worry more about the state of the program overall. Um, I got one last thing before we go. I got a great reaction uh, on Facebook when I posted that you were going to be in my show today. Um, and a lot of fans were – so I wanted to uh, let them know, what are, you, what are you doing now? Well, I just moved to, to Lafayette, Indiana. I mentioned earlier, my parents are getting up in age, and they live in a, in a town right outside of Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, my wife and I just got done finished raising four children. We're empty nesters. So uh, my parents were always there for me. So my wife and I moved back here to help them later uh, in their life. They need me right now to, to help them through a few issues that they're going through uh, due to age. So we're, we're here helping them. My wife is a physical therapist. And right now I'm blessed because I get to sit around and tweet all day. So I've got, I've got some things that I'll be doing. I've coached. I've been in, I've worked for Reebok. I've worked for Converse. I've done a lot of different things. I've had a great business career. Uh, so uh, now that the new year is over with, I'll probably be jumping back into some type of employment probably the next 30 days. So, But I've enjoyed my time on Twitter and getting to interact with fans and getting, been, been able to talk on a few podcasts like here. So I appreciate the opportunity. And someone commented on my Facebook post that uh, you preached for them once. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your ministry? Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would say, uh, you know, I don't have a official organized uh, ministry, but um, my faith is everything to me. It, uh, uh, you know, shapes all the decisions I make and the way that I look at the world. Uh, it is the most important thing. It's brought me through a lot of uh Hardships. It's brought me through a lot of tragedy. I've lost a younger brother uh, to opioids. Um, so uh, I get up every day wanting to do God's will and um, not ashamed of that and uh, proud to call myself a Christian. Um, so uh, anytime I can spread love and the message of Jesus Christ and people give me the opportunity. Um, that's the greatest thing I can do in life is, is talk about my faith and what Christ has done for me and to get people to look at the world through an eternal perspective because that is reality. That is the truth. And when you know the truth, you're going to see the world the way that it truly is and you're going to operate in reality. So um, anytime I'm given that opportunity, I've enjoyed doing it. And I'll tell you, preparing for a sermon has always helped me um, probably more than it does the people that get to listen to it because you get to study the Word and study the Scripture and the context of it 
but you can't study the word long enough. It always is going to keep giving you more knowledge and more wisdom and more insight. And um, so uh, I don't know how people live without it, but uh, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak about that. My grandpa uh, said once that uh, he, they, the preacher was out, out of town for some reason, and he was asked to deliver a sermon. And I asked him if he was nervous about it because I think I'd be really nervous. He said no because uh, God gave him the strength and gave him the words to preach. And I thought that was really amazing to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, you're, 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 you're blessed to have a grandfather that, that has that type of faith. That's very important that you uh, teach your kids and pass that down through your family. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. Uh, Roger, thanks again for coming on to the show. I had a great time uh, talking about the Cats, talking about the Lakers, talking about what you're doing now. Um, and I'm sure my listeners will really enjoy uh, hearing everything you had to say. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it. You've got a great future ahead of you. I, I appreciate your spirit and your love for the game and Kentucky basketball. And it's been a joy being on with you. And I wish you nothing but continued success and uh, with whatever you want to do in, in your career. And uh, I consider it an honor to sit down and talk to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. This has been my interview with Roger Harden on the Ball Talk Pod. You can check out all of our interviews on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on my website, www.balltalkpod.com. Thank you.